1: Coming up. It must feel like Groundhog Day for the Ipswich Central Redevelopment Committee. Council delays appointing a new CEO after a special meeting was canceled at the 11th hour. Councillors splash cash on themselves for a company director's course and an overhaul of policies relating to council staff. It's Friday, October 8, 2021, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting, trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Mm-hmm. Ipswich City Council had scheduled an extraordinary meeting, or put simply, a special meeting for councillors at 9am on October 8 with the sole job of making a decision on the appointment of a new Chief Executive Officer. Late the afternoon before, it was cancelled without warning. In a written statement, Mayor Theresa Harding said the CEO recruitment panel had requested additional information from the recruitment specialists, Davidson. The search for a CEO had a delayed start and finally began in July when a CEO recruitment panel was announced. The panel is made up of Mayor Theresa Harding, Division Three councillors Andrew Fechner and Marnie Doyle, Division 1 Councillor Jacob Madsen and an independent panel member, former State Government Minister and Member for Ipswich, Rachel Nolan. We'll now have to watch this space and wait on a new date for the announcement of a new CEO. The Ipswich Central Redevelopment Committee feels like it is the same meeting on repeat. The Commonwealth Hotel reached practical completion in May this year. The proposed extension out the back has been approved by Council in terms of a budget the development application and lease negotiations for possibly up to 25 years are reported to be progressing. From the October committee meeting, Chairperson Councillor Marnie Doyle.
2: Can I just ask, firstly, in relation to the um, the DA um, development application in relation to the Commonwealth Hotel... Can I just get a bit more detail on the the proposed timing? I note that the development application is being um, prepared and you know to be submitted to council. Um, you know we will then need to go through a procurement process um, as well as enter into a formal agreement with the prospective tenant. So can you kind of walk us through the expected timeline?
1: Council Officer James Hepburn.
3: The DO has been submitted. It's essentially for um, a large scale um, extension to the historic uh, Commonwealth Hotel. That extension um, is over a number of floors that that essentially work out the back of the building. So none of this will be seen from the front of the building from the heritage angle. And the extension multi-level actually goes down towards Bell Street Green. So there's a two different levels with Bremner, Bremner Street, Bell Street Green, and with Union Place, and um, and the building extension takes that form on. So it enables car park access from Bell Street Green straight into the back of the Commonwealth Hotel. The back element of that Commonwealth Hotel extension is predominantly um, outdoor dining, uh, with kitchens and um, and their gaming room and licensing happening almost at a basement level underneath. So it's very much away from um, the the public perception and family environment that will be taking place within the the main part of the hotel. And the detailed design element of it, it hasn't commenced and we're just at the planning stage. That's gonna twin track with the procurement process to find a construction partner, Mm -hmm. uh, which we are into at the moment. Um, Our project management team are are currently writing that, that tender um, with our with ourselves and the procurement team. And we're looking to release that to the market in about November time. OK, I expect that will take two to three months to come through um, and we'll be able to look at a number of prices and partners to see who's best place to deliver that extension with us, by which point as well, we'll also have the agreement for lease um, concluded with the um, party that we've selected. And the current negotiations there are going quite well. Um, and they're very much into the detailed design element of the interior fit out, um, so um, we're quite excited by some of the things we've seen to date. So all being well, um, we're aiming really to be in a start on site place by sort of first or second quarter next year. Um, which would lead us a really tight program into an opening before Christmas, which is our plan. But there's a bit to get over before we can commit to a particular date.
1: Councillor Marnie Doyle. Mr
2: Hepburn, could you talk to us about the the lease um, um, status, um, our prospective tenants um, within Metro A, B, Mm -hmm. uh, Eats and Venue? I guess just some general commentary around the current state of the market, um, everyone is very aware of, of the market conditions with with COVID. Um, but outside of COVID, um, I guess there's always different um, times in the market where you know the landlord may be in um, a better bargaining um, mm. position with regards to the types of incentives they need to offer, um, rent abatement, capital contribution. Are you seeing a fluctuation? Um, where, where, where is the market?
3: at, I guess. Um, We're we're in a place where it's a tenant market. There's a lot of risk um, being pushed back onto the landlord, which um, is represented in our budgets with the incentives. Um, The rents that we're achieving are market rents, um, which are are proven up through um, the third party review, which is Knight Frank. And those rents relate back to you know not similar to the likes of Springfield, Yamanto, and and other regional centers around Brisbane. we're not so worried, really. Uh, I think the, the COVID piece is, is slowly but surely falling away. Mm-hmm. We're watching what's happening in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, what's happening down in New South Wales and, and Victoria is hurting us a bit. Some, of, A lot of our tenants are based down there. They've had to close lots of operations. And that's that's from cinemas to, to eateries to, to bars. And um, so some of the leasing deals are a bit slower coming through because dealing with the property teams is quite difficult. Um, But as it stands, we're still attracting good attention to to our leasing. Um, The EATS phase is essentially gonna be practically complete in a couple of weeks time. As we all know, um, we have um, our first signed lease there, and we'll be looking at doing some sort of um, public release in the next week or so, um, joint with the tenant coming in and, and a lot of vinyls and photographs to really celebrate that moment. Alongside them, there'll be a coffee shop and hopefully a burger operator. And then upstairs, we've talked about this before, we've got the the gym operators and a yoga studio. So the East building is really going to be coming alive towards the end of this year and very much early into next year. And the other part is Metro B. Now Metro B um, is due to open around Easter next year. So we're still very much in the construction phase. There's no mass urgency to get leases signed, but that's starting to come up as the year comes to a close.
1: Councillor Doyle left the all-important cinema question until last. And yes... Confidentiality is still a roadblock to announcing publicly who will be the cinema operator. It seems to be still some way off before Council makes the long-awaited announcement. Councillor Marnie Doyle.
2: And as we all know, our Nicholas Street Precinct is about food and entertainment, and I'm absolutely delighted Mm. by the offerings within um, the the food um, market that that are knocking on our doors. Mm. But but they... um, are waiting on the entertainment aspect. We need that one locked away, and that being the cinema.
3: Yes, yeah. Where the, are we The cinema at? very much supports um, the overall value of of the centre and of the of the, the surrounding tenancies that we're delivering. I'm not saying that the, the tenancies we're delivering would walk away if the cinema wasn't there, but they are. Um, that their turnover and their sales is very much based off of having an anchor cinema within that scheme. It's the footfall the cinema brings in. It's the draw card that it that it takes across the, the region and, and within the market. So it's a very important part to, um, to our scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, the procurement process is a bit difficult to talk about because of sure. the, the <clears throat> level of confidentiality. And um, we have been delayed due to the complexity of it and also delayed due to um, a number of the operators um, that were in discussions with being predominantly based outside mm-hmm. of Queensland. So they, they've had to close a lot of their cinemas and deal with the, of the repercussions of that and, and the COVID situation.
1: There was little discussion at the Governance and Transparency Committee this month about an item which recommends Council engage the Australian Institute of Company Directors for just under $76,500 excluding GST. Mayor Theresa Harding.
0: May I ask, there's a confidential background paper. May I ask why it's confidential? I read through it. I know, I mean, we've already stated the price. I wasn't sure if there was anything. I just, because it's professional development for the councils, I'd rather be more open with people. I guess I'm just asking why is it confidential? Is there there a reason why it's not being
1: published? The Mayor asked if the report can be published in full at the next Ordinary Meeting of Council on October 21. Now known as people and culture and previously the more familiar term human resources, this covers matters relating to council staff, this month the Governance and Transparency Committee had before it an item that repeals three people and culture policies. Mayor Harding put this question to Acting CEO Sonia Cooper.
0: Acting CEO, I know it's a recommendation it talks about the policy um, total workplace health and safety be repealed um, and replaced. It also talks about a number of ministry directives. Do you mind just talking me through how A policy is repealed, but administrative directives have been set up without
4: coming to council. What's the process there? Uh, We have acted in line with the policy and procedure management framework that Mm -hmm. that was established, where the direction provided at the time that that was established in July 2019 was that uh, if the content or subject matter of the the relevant policy um, was in relation to operational uh, matters largely concerning the workforce, that they should be progressively audited and replaced by administrative directives, so uh, these have taken uh, longer than others to to review uh, and hence are coming to you at this time, however it's on that basis that we've yep. proceeded. Uh, so, um, Our practice has been to come to the council, uh, at least being able to confirm for you that there have been appropriate administrative directives put in place to ensure that we have the necessary uh, admin directives and procedures to to effectively govern and and manage these important matters for the workforce. Uh, And um, uh, as you've noted on the important, very important matter of workplace health and safety, We wanted to ensure that we retained that for Mm. uh, the community uh, and for our service to the community and the facilities um, we provide, uh, as well as the workforce. We absolutely um, recommend that as an important public facing policy, but hence have sought to update that to make Mm. sure it's contemporary, um, but really didn't believe that it was necessary to have Matters of um, grievances, as we now refer to them, um, as public facing with nothing to hide, um, but they really are substantively there for the workforce.
1: All committee recommendations from the October round, including those highlighted on the show, will be considered at the next ordinary meeting of council and then voted on. The next meeting is due on October 21. You'll find handy links in the show notes, including Council's YouTube channel, to watch live streams or replays of committee and council meetings. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswitchtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favorite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music Podcasts, or play Ipswich Today from smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode, or go to ipswichtoday.com.au.